In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus chapter 14, verse number 8. If you'll turn there with me. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Before I do, I want to say, I meant to say this earlier, so good to have uh, Brother Jared Miller with us. Recently was pastoring in Tolis and now in a time of transition. Would you make him welcome today? Always an honor to have fellow servants in the ministry in the house with us. Exodus chapter 14. Very familiar passage of scripture. And uh, I'm going to start reading from verse number 8. It says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And listen, the children of Israel went out with boldness. Somebody say that. They went out with boldness. They left walking in high cotton. Amen. You ever get to feeling your oats when God's done something for you? They walked out ready to to just tackle the world. They had the gold and the silver of their former captors on their shoulders and around their neck and in their bags. They had it all. They went out with boldness. And so the Egyptians pursued them. I'll just say this, that, that when we walk in boldness, the enemy doesn't like it. The enemy pursued them, and all the horses, somebody say all. Nobody stayed behind this time. All the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, pursued them and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Haharoth before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, The Egyptians marched after them. And listen to this. So they were very afraid. They went out with boldness. But when they came to the Red Sea, at that place where there was no visible crossing, there were mountains all around them, and they lifted up their eyes, and they saw the Egyptians coming. Their boldness went out the window. Now they are afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? A minute ago they were in boldness. Now they're saying, Did you bring us out of here because there was no graveyard with empty spots for us in Egypt? Why have you dealt with us this way to bring us out of Egypt? It's not... The word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Every once in a while in your walk with God, you will come to this point. Where following God seems more difficult to understand and to comprehend and to fathom how you are where you are than it would have been to just stay where you were before you started. Israel looks up and they see the Egyptians coming. And they look out and they see the gap between themselves and their safety. And they say it would have been better that we had never started this. And listen to Moses' word. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again. Listen to this. No 
more forever. God says, if you'll just stop and be still, you may not see how you're going to get there. You may not know how it's going to happen. You may see the gaps in your life, but he says, if you'll stand still, you will see the salvation of God. Would you just lift your hands and pray, Lord, we just ask you to come into this room right now, Lord. You came here with a divine purpose and plan for somebody's life. And Lord, we just want to yield to that in this place today. We want somebody to come out of here with an understanding that you're God over it all and that you're still in control. We pray that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would do a work in this house. Come on, would somebody just give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're seated today? Thank you, Jesus. Today I want to preach to you about the God of the gaps. Perhaps you've seen the iconic movie Rocky. If I could really take a text, it would be from Rocky chapter number 1 today. Because Rocky, you may know him because of his boxing prowess in the movie, always coming back from getting beat up at the last minute. He had to, he had to get beat up for about 10 rounds before he could win his victory. Some of us can relate to that. And, uh, but, but Rocky, you remember him. Yo, Adrian! There's a scene where Rocky is famously punching a side of beef in the meatpacking plant. And Paulie, his trainer, wants to know what the down low is on his relationship with this new girl in his life, Adrian. And Paulie asks, so what's the deal with Adrian? What do you see in her? And in his infamous style, Rocky looks across the room at Paulie from punching that side of beef. And he says, I don't know. Gaps, I guess. Says gaps, Polly said, and Rocky responds, "I don't know, Polly. She's got gaps. I've got gaps. Together, we fill each other's gaps." Rocky recognized something that we'd all do well to recognize today: that everybody has gaps. I remember being a kid. I was always the shortest kid in class, and I remember when we went to Six Flags with the youth group, and I was 12 years old, and there were still rides that I couldn't ride. It was just an inch or two, but it was the biggest gap of my life. Somebody said, we got gaps. It was a gap. There was no way. I was standing on tiptoes just praying. I remember crying, being upset. Yeah, I'll admit it. I wanted to ride the rides. All my short people feeling me today. We all have gaps. A gap is defined as an unfilled space or interval. It is a space between two objects. It's where... Something is missing or needed. And the truth is, we all have them. Empty spaces in our lives. Areas where there is a space between us and something that we are reaching for. Something that we are hoping for. Something that we are believing for. Everybody has gaps. And some in this room today have come and you have financial gaps. There's a space between what you have and what you need to have. Or desire to have. People with financial gaps feel like they will never get ahead. That they will never turn the corner. That the bills will never stop coming. And there always seems to be a space between where you are and where you really need to be financially. Anybody ever felt a financial gap? There are relational gaps where relationships once flourished. There's now A space between you and you have no idea how to overcome 
the gap in your marriage. What once used to be a close relationship, now it feels distant and far. It's a gap. Anybody felt those gaps before? Others feel the gap in relationship with people that they can never seem to please, can never seem to win over, can't find a way across the divide. We all have gaps. There are socioeconomic gaps. People who feel like they will never be able to get past where they came from, the neighborhood they were raised in. They feel as if their background has put a space between where they are and where they'd really like to be in life. And no matter how far they come and how good they do, they feel like they can never seem to get past that past of where they came from. Does anybody know what I'm preaching about today? Somebody say gaps. And there are certainly spiritual gaps. People who feel the depths of their own inadequacy. And you feel like you will never be good enough. You will never get it right. That you will never overcome your flesh. You will never straighten out your spiritual life. Every time you get down to pray, you just are overwhelmed with the sense that I am not good enough. And that I will never overcome. And that I will never turn this corner. It's a spiritual gap. And I've come to preach to people today that there are gaps in your spiritual pursuit. Gaps in your character that you can't overcome. Gaps in your effort to attain your calling and your purpose. Everyone has gaps. When you feel separated from the thing that you need. And Moses in Israel was living in the gap, dealing with the gaps In our text, they stood at the edge of the Red Sea, separated from a place of safety by deep waters that seemed uncrossable. They could look across just approximately a mile over that part of the uh, Gulf of Akab and the Red Sea, and they could see freedom. They could see victory. They could see the other side, but they had no way within themselves to get there. Around them, there were mountains that prohibited their uh, uh, ability to flee. And behind them, there was an enemy bearing down on their location. And note in Exodus uh, Exodus 14, 8, that they went out with boldness. They went out with boldness. But verse 9 comes along, and the Egyptians pursued all the horses, all the chariots, all of the army. And they were bold because they didn't know they were being pursued. They thought they had gotten out. They thought that because God did something to begin the work in their life, they'd never have to fight again. They'd never have to flee again. They'd never have to face adversity again. Let's just go ahead and rip the band-aid off. That isn't ever what God has promised. They had experienced a measure of salvation, but they had not yet got to the promises and to the purposes of God yet. They had experienced some miracles, signs and wonders. They had been delivered by the blood and they walked out with boldness. But when they saw that Egypt wasn't going to give up and that Pharaoh was bearing down on their location, they came to the edge of the Red Sea and the Egyptians overtook them there. And suddenly everything changes for them. They see the Egyptians and then they look and they saw the sea. And they were afraid. Why? Because they didn't want to die. Why are they afraid? Because they see the gap between where they needed to be and where they are. They see the gap between where they want to be and what they're really dealing with in life. They see the, the, the disparity 
between what God has spoken to them and what they are experiencing in the present moment. And it's called the confusion of disparity because God said, I'm going to bring you out. God said, I'm going to give you a promised land that flows with milk and honey. God said all these things to them. And they saw the miraculous hand of God begin them. But here they are living in reality. And reality is the Egyptians are right there in their face. The disparities have a way of stealing our joy. Siphoning away our boldness. And leaving us fearful. Look at what happens to Israel. Verse 11 says, Then they said to Moses, Because there are no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us this way? They start getting mad at the preacher because they got saved. You didn't tell me it was going to be this hard, Moses. You didn't tell me there were going to be battles to fight, Moses. Listen, just one time, it's not the preacher's fault. It's a part of the process. It's a part of the plan. And there are many that give up on God's plan because of the confusion of the disparities they see in their life. And that's who I've come to preach to today. People that they hear the word and they believe the word, but they're not seeing it like they believe it. You're not experiencing it the way that you saw it unfolding in your head. And so they they say to Moses, why would you bring us out here? Did we not say in Egypt, leave us alone? And let us serve the Egyptians. We prefer our slavery to this struggle. And, and it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than if we should die in the wilderness. You see, many people will give up on God and on prayer long before they see God's will happen in their life. And it is because they enter a stage of confusion called the confusion of disparity. Is that it happens when people begin to notice the gap between God's word and God's will. And and they, they begin to see the gap between God's word and will and what we're actually living and dealing with in reality. When there is a gap between what I see and what I believe. And they see the disparity between the promises of God and the the actual conditions in their life when there is a gap between what I need and what I have when there's a gap between where I'm living and where I'm called to live when there's a gap between what I'm able to do and what I'm asked to do and when there's a gap between where I need to be and where I am living it's when we start seeing the gaps that our faith is challenged and tested It's easy to believe when you're walking out of Egypt wearing the gold of your enemy. But it's hard to believe when you see them bearing down on you and you see no way of escape. Because Israel saw the gap between what God was saying and what they were experiencing. And listen, I am not unaware that as a preacher, when we get up and we preach faith, and we preach healing, and we preach signs, and we preach wonders, that there are people in the room who are sick and need to be healed who do not receive their healing. There are people that are praying for things that haven't yet seen it come to pass. Can we just get down where we live? And people will amen the preacher and say, I believe it. I'm just not seeing it. I believe it. We're kind of like the man who said, I believe, help my unbelief. Because we believe it. We believe that God is able. 
We believe that God can. We believe that, that God does. But we just don't see it happening in our circumstances in, and in our situations. And it's easy to get confused when we see the disparity between what we believe and what we see. And when we do not understand God's purpose, we then get frustrated with God's process. Because we don't understand, the Bible says of this same generation that I'm preaching about, that they grew discouraged after God delivers them through the Red Sea. Spoiler alert. After He delivers them, they get in the wilderness and they grew discouraged because of the way. They didn't understand God's purpose. They didn't understand God's purpose, so they get frustrated with the process. And when they're frustrated with the process, they get altogether confused about their progress. Israel doesn't understand. They're they're on the brink of one of the greatest things they'll ever see God do in their life. But they have no idea. No clue. They feel like giving up and they are literally just a stone's throw from victory. They're just across just just a few steps away from seeing a way open up where there seems to be no way. And they're ready to give up because they've gotten, uh, they don't understand God's purpose. They've gotten frustrated with the process and they're confused about their progress. And so I've come to preach just for a couple minutes to people who are losing faith in the gaps. Because sometimes we preach about healing, but you live on with sickness. Sometimes we talk about freedom, but you're still struggling with habits and hang-ups and addictions. Sometimes we come to church and we hear about financial blessing. And you do everything that God asks and more. And you pay your tithes and you give in offerings, but the bills continue to pile up. And it's in those gap moments that your faith is frustrated. And fear begins to settle in. And the enemy begins to whisper all sorts of things about who you are and where you stand with God. You see, we don't understand God's purpose. So we get frustrated in the process and get confused about our progress. And so we begin to give up on God's promises. And this is how backsliding happens. is when we get confused about all that, we start saying, you know what, it's better back in Egypt. It's better when I didn't have a spiritual struggle to add to all the other struggles. It's better when I wasn't just trying to find a way to make it through. And that's how backsliding happens. Is because we see disparity between where we're at and what God has spoken to us and what God's word says about us. And we start getting confused and drawing back from God because we don't understand this process. Israel runs to Moses with a laundry list of complaints about their present situation. Israel is losing their minds. But in the middle of all that, Moses is still and calm before God. And those kind of leadership traits don't come about just by nature. You don't just grow up and be calm in crisis. People lose their minds in crisis. Not Moses. They come to Moses and he sees the Egyptians too. And he sees the mountains too. And he sees the ocean too. He sees all of it. But you have to understand something about Moses is that his life and ministry had been marked by the gaps in his life. From, from the very beginning, Moses is born into a nation and culture that feared his people and tried to kill its children, and he was on the wrong side of the safety gap. He wasn't on the safe side of things. They, the law said, kill that baby boy. And so he was hidden away from society by his mom and dad. There was immediately a gap in his life. 
mom and dad hide him away until they have to do something. And so they put him in a basket, but mom can't be by the basket. Because then they'll know he's a Hebrew child. And then they'll just do what they would have set out to do in the first place. And so the scripture says that Miriam puts him in a basket in the Nile River. And Miriam, his sister, follows from a distance. That's a gap. There's immediately a gap between Moses and his family and one that would remain for the rest of his life. And then he was raised with a space between him and his family, separated from his true identity and from his own culture. There's this gap in his life. He never really fit in all the way in Egypt because down deep he is a Hebrew. And so he's living far from who he really is. And then there's a gap between his intentions and the outcome of his action. As he begins to close the gap between where he's been living and what his real identity is, he starts getting a passion for his people. And one day he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. And his intention was to save, not to hurt. But there is a gap between what he intends and what the outcome is. And he ends up killing the Egyptian, hiding his body. And the next day, his people turn on him. It's the gap between the intentions and the outcomes. So Moses, what does he do? He puts a gap between himself and his problems. And he flees from Egypt. And he puts some space between his past and his present. And he's running from the problems, but the problems really haven't been dealt with and solved. And so Moses goes out to become a shepherd in the wilderness. And and Moses lives far from society, living apart from everything that he's ever known and everything that he's ever experienced. Forty years of living in the gap. When suddenly one day Moses is walking along and he sees a burning bush. I love this. And... And he, he turns aside to see what it was. And God tells Moses, you stop. Stop right there and take off your shoes. Don't come too close, Moses. Leave a gap between me and you. Because the ground on which you stand is holy ground. And it's at that burning bush that God begins to speak to him about who he is and, and what he's calling him to do. He says, I have seen the affliction of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. And so, Moses, I'm sending you to set them free. Moses was now confronted with the gap between who he was and who God was calling him to be. And he said, who am I that you would send me? Don't you understand my history? I've never really fit in anywhere. I've never really plugged in anywhere. I wasn't raised with my family, and then I lost my second family when I committed murder. I don't have my people. I'm living with Midianites now. Don't you know who I am? There's nobody worse to do this, God. Sorry, God, you picked the wrong guy. Who am I that you would send me? Who am I? Moses isn't even amazed that God wants to rip millions of people out of slavery. That's not what he's amazed about. What he's amazed about is that God would pick him. He sees the gap and he says, Lord, who am I that you would send me? He sees the gap between what God wants him to do and what he's able to do. And so he says, what, what would I even say? What would I say to them? Who? But I tell them even sent me. And listen to God's answer. I love this. He says, Moses, tell them that the I am that I am sent you. 
Now, maybe what you didn't know about this phrase was that it's a Hebrew idiom. And it, it's I am that I am, this Hebrew idiom. And the translation literally means this. It means that when you get there, I will be there. This is what God says to Moses. He says, who do I even say sent me? What do I even say? He says, tell them the I am that I am sent you. That message was more for Moses than it was for Pharaoh. Because what God was saying to Moses was something he well would have understood. He's saying, Moses, you don't have to worry about who you are. You don't have to worry about what you're not able to do. You don't have to worry about what to say or how you're going to accomplish this. He says, Moses, if you'll just say yes and go, when you get there, I will already be there. Anybody ever got to a restaurant and somebody is already at the table and you're looking for them? I'm not patient. And I'm waiting at a table and you're not there. I'm checking my watch. I just get this picture of God sitting at the table in Pharaoh's court. And he's just checking his watch. He says, Moses, I'm already here. I'm already here, Moses. You can just come on in and take a seat at the table. I'm already. Because when you get there, I'll already be there. I'm not worried about your gaps, Moses. I'm the God of the gaps. Moses, when you don't know what to say, I'm already there, Moses. When you get there, I'll be there. God is telling Moses, I see your gaps, Moses, but I am the God of the gaps. And listen to me, when you get in a place where you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say, he says, I will lead you and guide you in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. When you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil for I am with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you and I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Moses, you don't have to worry about it because when you get there... I'll be there. When you get to the place where you can't do it, Moses, my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is not just made better in weakness. It is made perfect in weakness. It is made complete in weakness. And so, Moses, when you can't, I can. And when you're not able to, I will empower you and I will enable. I'm not worried about your gaps, Moses. I'm the God of the gaps. When you don't have the words, Moses, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or for what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. So words echoing down through time to the apostles. Listen, people have always been confronted by the gaps in their ability and these uncrossable chasms that we don't know what to do with. But I've come to preach to someone today who's living in a gap that God is able, that God is willing, that God is not intimidated by your issue. God is not afraid of your problem God is more than able to overcome your weakness he is the God of the gaps and he was telling Moses when you get to the gaps I'll already be there Moses I've already gone before you I'm the God that goes before you I'm the God that has already made a way where there seems to be no way. Moses, I'm the God. I already saw it in my foreknowledge. I saw it, and so I predestined you for victory. Moses, you may not know that the waters are about to peel back, but if you'll just stand still, you'll see the salvation of God. If you won't retreat, and if you won't march, if you'll just stay there and trust in God, you'll see the waters open up because I am the God of the gap. 
You know, the term God of the gaps is levied as a criticism against Christian believers. I, I don't know if you knew that. That's why I chose it for this message. Because atheists claim that whenever Christians don't understand something or cannot find an explanation for a scientific reality, they just insert God into the gap. Oh, God must have done that. God knows that. And it's levied as an intellectual criticism against theism. The atheist view of the theist mindset is that God always fits the gaps of what we do not understand and of what we cannot explain. And so when we don't know what to do about something or what to think about something or what the real state of a thing is, we just, they say we just insert God into the gaps in our understanding and of our ability to ascertain. And, you know, sometimes you can say a, a thing that is meant as an insult that turns out to be a perfect statement of truth. I'm going to show you this happened a lot in the Bible. And so today I came to rob their statement and repurpose it for the glory of God. Check this out. Sometimes they tried to insult Jesus, but it didn't quite work out that way. They put a sign over Jesus to mock him that said, King of the Jews. They meant it sarcastically, but little did they know that they were really speaking the truth about who he was, that he really was the king. Listen, listen, Caiaphas, concerning his crucifixion, said it is better that one man die than the whole nation perish. Caiaphas was saying that we need to kill this insurrection before it ever starts. What he, I know what he meant. I know what he was trying to say. But what he really said really makes a lot of sense because little did he know that it really is better that one man would die than for all of mankind to be lost. And Caiaphas didn't know it, but his words become just a, a perfect glove for the word and the will of God to fit into. I love it. Atheists coined the phrase God of the gaps intending to undermine the Christian faith. But I've come to redeem that phrase from its intended purpose because Moses found out that God really does fit in the gaps. God really does fit in the gaps. God, when I'm weak and when I don't know what to do and when I don't know where to turn, He really is. The, I know they mean it as an insult, but really it's the truth that He's the God of my gaps. And Moses found out that even if everything has gone wrong in your life and everything is backwards from what you feel like it should be, that even in those moments, God can still accomplish His will and His purpose. And his promises. Moses had seen it throughout his life and ministry. And so when their progress came to a grinding halt. I want musicians to go ahead and come. When his progress came to a grinding halt. The enemy is drawing perilously close. And the waters that they needed to cross were perilously deep. And mountains surrounded them that were not climbable or crossable. Who better to stand in that moment with faith to face the storm than a man who had seen God come through in all of his gaps throughout his life? Who better to be the spokesman of that kind of God than a man who didn't measure up, than a man who had just watched God make up the difference his whole life? Israel wasn't seeing it. Their reality wasn't measuring up with what Moses had been preaching. 
that were struggling to believe in a God who could deliver them from this. I believe in what you're saying, Moses. I know that God can do the impossible. But I also know the way life works and that it's not working out so good for us right now. Moses, you see, you just don't know what I've been through. Moses, maybe you don't fully understand what I'm up against. And Israel begins to question everything. Were there not graves in Egypt? And into the confusion of disparity, Moses spoke to the storm clouds of doubt that were gathering in the souls of the men and women and children in that camp. And Moses spoke silence to their fears. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. I just pause in the end of this message to tell someone that your fear will drive you out of your promise every time. Your fear will widen the gap between a repaired marriage and relationship every time. Your fear will goad you and guide you into making the wrong decision at the wrong time. And I want to tell you the wrong, wrong time to make a mistake is when the enemy is bearing down. Moses, silent before the oncoming marching army of the Egyptians says, do not be afraid. I'm preaching to somebody here. I, I knew that this would just kind of slow down in the end of the service. But I'm preaching to someone here who is so scared because you don't know how it's all going to work out. You're, you're just afraid. And you try to fix it and you try to, you try to put it back together and you try to find a plan or a, a way of escape. And, and you do everything you can and you believe the preaching. But you're just not seeing it in your life. Do not be afraid. Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You've been trying to fill the gaps all by yourself, but Moses says what you don't understand is God is about to peel back some waters and the children of Israel are about to walk through. If you'll just trust in this moment, everything is going to be all right. If you'll just trust in this hour, everything, you're so close. Some of you don't feel like it, but you're so close to that breakthrough. So close to the other side. And it feels like you'll never make it through. But Moses is standing in the middle of it all. And he's saying, stop. Don't be afraid. Because God is the God of the gap. And when you can't see a way, he's the way maker. And when you can't see the promise, he's the promise keeper. And when you don't know how it's all going to work out, he's working it out. Stand still and see the salvation of God. And Moses stands before the oncoming marching enemy. And he raises his staff. And suddenly the Bible says God sends something they never counted on. Something they never saw coming. Come on, I wonder if somebody would stand with me in faith. They never saw the east wind coming. But God said to the east wind, blow. And the east wind came. And suddenly they saw a ripple on the water. It was just a wind that started. But suddenly the waters began to fold back and as Moses stood still God made a way where there seems to be no way God is the God of the gaps Moses knew what Israel didn't know that he's the way maker He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. Come on, somebody, would you say amen? Paul said it this way. Oh, the depth 
of the riches both of wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Isaiah 55 said it this way, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven. And do not return there but water the earth. And they make it bring forth and bud. That it may give seed to the sower. And bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me void. But shall accomplish what I please. And it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You shall go out with joy. And be led with peace. The mountains and the hills break forth in the singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. You don't understand it. And you don't see it. And you can't put it all together. But understand this. He's got some stuff that you can't see in the works and it'll all work out if you'll cast fear out of your life and stand still hear me in the close of this service he can heal your broken relationship he can restore your abandoned calling he can make a way out of your temptation he can deliver you from your addiction he can redeem you from your sin he can renew your failing faith he can restore your hopes and dreams. And if he could pull Joseph out of a prison and put him in a palace, what can he do with you? If he can meet a murderer on the road to Damascus and make him into an apostle, what can he do with you? If he could call Lazarus out of a grave wrapped up in grave clothes and say, come forth, Lazarus, what can he do with you? Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. He's the God of your gap. Whatever it is that you don't have, he's able to supply it. I wonder if somebody would just lift your hands and walk to this altar and say, you know what, God, I don't have it. But I'm not going to be afraid. God, I don't see it, but I'm not going to be afraid because you're the God of my gaps. I wonder if somebody, I want a husband to take a wife by the hand and come down and say, you know what? We don't know how to get there from here, God. We don't know how it's all going to work out, but Lord, we're giving it to you today and we're not going to go in fear, but Lord, we're going to stand still and see the salvation of God. Would you come? Come on, would somebody grab somebody that needs a lift of their faith and would you just come and say, Lord, God, you're the God of my gaps. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. I'm going to stand still and see salvation. I don't know how to get there, but Lord, I'm not running from this. God, I don't know how to get there, but I'm not running from this. God, I'm in. A hundred percent. Committed to the end. I'm going to trust in you. Come on, that's it. Reach to heaven. Somebody and say, you're the God of my gaps. I don't get it, God. I don't understand it. But you're the God of my gaps.